That's it. You know, the, 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 there's so many good things to talk about this week. Um, but I'm going to skip uh, Yafan's Tower because, primarily because, you know, if anyone wants to talk about it, I'm like excited about that. But I think that somewhat like the Marshall, there were two guys sitting in, in Rabbi Brazil's issue this week. Um, nice guys sitting next to me. And, you know, they were, uh, they were reading Chumash Rashi. It was the first time in their life, well, at least for one of them, having ever seen, like, the story of Yafan's Tower. I mean, he just didn't know the story. Yeah, you know, you find a woman in battle, and she's attractive, so the Torah says you can take her, but first you got to do this weird thing. Very funny thing. It's a very funny story. Um, and, like, I realized that if I start giving him the shot right now that's in the Sefer Agra Dekala for the B'nai Sostar, I start right away, like, giving him, the, the, like, the heavy-duty stuff that's said on this um, to make it really exciting. And so he won't ever experience what you and I experienced, which is the first two times we saw it. We're just like, what in the heck is going on here? And you have to have that feeling before you get the answer. Otherwise, what's the right? If you don't have an itch, there's nothing I can scratch for you. So, in other words, I felt that, like, it could be that if I have to leave something behind, I would leave that behind for this year, um, at least in the meantime. Uh, and also, before that, I like what we're going to talk about today. I think it's super exciting. And that's really the number one choice, is to keep it as interesting as possible. It says in the Parsha that you're supposed to give a guy 40 malkos. And then we, we know you're supposed to give 39. So, make up your mind. So, you know, you can look at things like Ibn Esau. Like, you can look at, like, the Mefarshi Hapshan, who will tell you that's the way of the Torah to speak. In general numbers, it rounds up. Okay, like, I, you know, I kind of can buy that. But when we know that, Lamashal, Rabbi Huda Chassid, Rabbi Shonim, says that, Kilo Dovar Reiku Mikem. Listen to this one. When the Torah says there's nothing empty in it, Kilo Dovar Reiku Mikem. So, what does Hazal say about that? You know what they say? You gotta know this one. You know the pasuk. You recognize the pasuk. Chazal say, "Imreku mikem hurek." If there's anything in the Torah that's really empty in you, kilo dava reku mikem means there's nothing empty in them. In the words of the Torah, but it says in you. So really, if you find anything empty in the Torah, you're an empty person. Yeah, a person who can't see beyond pshat in Torah will also be the same person who can't see beyond pshat in his life. So he'll tell you things like, "No, it wasn't God who helped me get the job. It was my friend Ed who referred me." Right? It's like a very small way of seeing of seeing life. Whereas, let's say, the Sefer HaChinuch says very clearly, you get punched in the face, you're supposed to understand that Hashem arranged that. Yeah? You don't take Nakama, he says, because it's Hashem arranging it. Now, now obviously, it's also the guy pu- punching you, he's going to burn a Gehenna for it. There's an Aveir, wasn't allowed to do it. But it would take a small person to not be able to see that there's something much beyond the Pshat here. Hashem is running the whole world. Okay, so there's got to be, Kilo Dabar Reku Mikem, says Yubida Chassid, is Gematria, the Gematria of that whole sentence is Gematrios. I worked it out. Gematrias. In other words, a sentence in Torah which says there is nothing empty in any of the Torah yeah, equals Gematrias. Yeah? There's nothing empty in any of the letters, in any of the words. It's pretty wacky. If you ever want to teach a class, the Chidah brings it down. If you ever want to teach a, a class of, of, of secular people what Gematria is, this would be a wonderful example. Yeah? Kilo Dav Reikum Mikam Gematrias. Yeah. Why do Gematrias work if we're not Bokim and Mola and Chazar? That's a good question. That's a phenomenal question. One, one, one shot is that the Torah that we have nowadays um, we deeply believe that um, Baruch Hu runs the world. So in other words, even if in theory, yeah, in theory, there's a halacha, let's say, right, that you go based on Rov Sifrei Torah. Ezra so far, he, he, he judged what, um, what the text we have is from two out of three. Right. Three and that's the halacha. You go based on rov, which means that if nowadays you would find a thousand sefer Torah one way and nine hundred ninety-nine the other way, you'd go based on the rov. So who's the one who told you to go based on the rov? Saying who, who, who's the one? It's Hashem, right? Through the vehicle of the oral Torah. I mean, it's Hashem who's telling you to do that to define the text of the Torah based on the majority. 
So it's Hashem who told me this book right now that I have in front of me. In other words, I believe similar to what I was saying before, it would take like a small group of people to think that if Hashem gives you something through history, through nature, through, that it's not also directly from Hashem. You understand what I'm saying? Um, but, uh, but it's a conversation from another time. It's a great question. The story is, and Chazal do Gematrias. Yeah, so we don't. Okay. Which means that if the Torah tells you the number 40 and it means 39, there's got to be a heavy duty meaning behind this. Okay, the first thing I want to tell you is somewhat related, but it's not really the direction I want to go for the whole time. Um, but I do think it's important enough to, to sidetrack for a second. The, the Divrei Yecheskel. Who is the Divrei Yecheskel? Okay, the next time I ask, you should know. Who is the Divrei Chaim? The Tzanzer, very good. The Tzanzer Rebbe um, was one of the great Hasidic Rebbe. He was also a major Paisik. Um, the Divrei Chaim, the Shailah Shiva's Divrei Chaim is a huge work in halacha that's still very, very relevant um, today. And his Hasidic stuff is like hardcore. It's really good. Um, he fought against Hasidim more than the Litvish. What he did to the Sadi Ger Hasidim makes the Vilna Gon uh, look like a schoolgirl. Um, not in the, you know, that's not exactly the words that most people would use for it, but I mean, he mamish like he would wrote, he was right of them like crazy. And also, so that's one riot that he was a, a so Litvish. Um, you know, they were riding on the white horses and like being real rebels there. They're people who are like impoverished and they're very well, whatever. He had his issues with them, you know, similar to the issues that everyone had with, the, with, with like the whole Rebbe business, and, um, except that he was also a Rebbe. And he had many like Rebbes who would come to him because he was so old. He lived for a long time. So he had like, you know, the Rebbes used to wear white on Shabbos, and everyone else used to wear black. They described around his tish, like by Yantif, there'd be like a bunch of white coats. You know, he had a bunch of rebbes who would come to him. Like he was an old man. He lived into his 80s, which was not as common back then. But but not only that, the Tzans are also, um, also, you know, Stam as a point of interest. There was a Sefer that uh, that came out, called, it's called the Mayim Adirim. I have a copy of it in one of the closed bookshelves. The Kabbalah Sefer from Remendel Shklover. Remendel Shklover was one of the closest students of the Villagon. And it's a Sefer on Kabbalah, which is the Vilna Gon's Kabbalah. However, for many years, yeah, it was understood, this was, we knew it was from Menachem Mendel. It was understood that it was from Reb Mendel of Vitebsk, who he and the Balatanya were like the two major Hasidic people that were put in Kherim by the Grun. Yeah, you know, the Grun didn't refuse to meet them. And Mendel of Vitebsk, a major Hasidic. Okay, so Talmud of the Mezri Chimag, it was Talmud of Hashem. So his, it says, with the Tzahat, that his favorite Sefer he never took off his desk, yeah, was this Sefer from Reb Mendel of Vitebsk. And already they found out, like Reb Tzaddik already noticed it, he wrote, writes like, Meyuchas L'Remendel of Vitebsk. Reb Tzaddik already figured out that it's really uh, from, from someone else. And they discovered later that, that the manuscript is clearly from a Mendel Shklover. So it turns out that Sanzer's favorite sefer of Kabbalah was the Vilna Gons Kabbalah, you understand? Okay, so you know, the, the, the literature liked to claim that Sanzer was really, okay, he was a rabbi, but he was in a closet. Litva. In any event, the Divri Chaim's son was the Divri Yecheska of Shinovah. Yeah? So Divya Tesla says as follows. There's a Gemara in, why do you give 40 if you need 39? There's a Gemara in Brachas, Davzai, which says, Rabbi Yossi says, Gedola Mardus Achas, Belibo Shal Adam, Yosem Mikama Malkis. A, a one Mardus, like one negative feeling in a person's heart, yeah, beat, beat down in a person's heart, is, is, is greater than many Malkos. So better to have one feeling of like, you know, chuva, you know, positive feeling to change you. That, that, that maybe you did something wrong, rather than the lots of... What does Mardus mean? Mardus literally is, is, is a hard word to translate. There's something that we know called makas mardus, which means when you beat somebody, perhaps for rebelling, um, or li but literally means to, be, to beat that person down. Like rode, to be rode someone. Ravha rode as talmido is a person who's giving musr to a student and hitting him. So it means to like hit yourself down in a musr dika way. 
So that's a Mardus. And Reish Lakish says, Gedola Mardus Achas Belibo Shal Adam, one Mardus in a person's heart is better than a hundred Malkias. And he quotes a Pasuk in Mishle, which says, Techas Geara Bemeven, one Geara, which is like a snort of displeasure, Geara, like getting angry, a Geara on a Maven, on a person who understands, will, will sit more effectively, me mea malkios, me hakos ksil mea. The rest of the buzzing is me hakos ksil mea. So techas ga'ar b'meven, then hitting a fool a hundred times. You hit a fool a hundred times, you don't get as far as one displeasure sound, you know, made to somebody who actually cares. So therefore, one mardas in a person's heart is better than a hundred beatdowns. Okay. So he says like this. Devei Chazka says, listen, you know, the truth is that you can't really the BBC. Yeah, once you're here, I'll tell you. The BBC says that the prison systems in, in, in England are just not working. Yeah, that's what they're saying. It just doesn't work. People are all the people that get out are all repeat offenders. People in prison are breaking every law they possibly can. If they can deal drugs, they do. If they can, you understand, they break every law they can in the prison, out of the prison. So the prison system is just not working. It's not reforming anybody. Okay, it's working to keep them off the street for as long as they're in there. But they get back out and they do the same thing, right? I read such a report. BBC Nikuda Co Nikuda UK. I am shocked. Okay, the prison systems are not working. So why wouldn't they work? The terrorist is because if there's nothing in your heart, right? The entire purpose of Arthur beating down a person 40 times is that one of those 40 should be him hitting himself. In other words, we're trying to wake him up so that he makes an effective impact on his psyche, on his neshama, on himself. So in other words, we can only hit you 39 of the 40 times. The 40th one is up to you. Yeah, I mean, the whole purpose of the 40 would just be to get you to to make one. So he says the Torah tells you 40 but only encourages you to do 39 so that you should know that you're still missing something. That is 39 didn't solve the problem. You've only solved the problem yeah, when you've hit the person down entirely, um, in, meaning he actually hits himself in the heart. And the entire purpose of the punishment is only to get him to that point. Um, it's, a, it's an important message. It means that all the... Stop blaming everybody else. Understand? You are old enough now that if you don't know who the Debrei Chaim is today, Right? It's your fault at this point. No, I'm saying if you hear somebody quote, uh, you know what I'm saying, the Safer Tour, and you don't know what the tour is, it's your fault from now on. Meaning, there's nobody else to blame. There's no one else to talk to. It's up to you. You understand? So the 39 Malkas will be completely ineffective if you don't hit yourself once. Stop blaming your parents. Stop blaming your aunt and uncle. Stop blaming your childhood. You know, I'm sorry, sir, that you were beaten by your father. Like, it does stink. It really stinks. Um, at this stage, from now on, it's completely up to you. Now, if you say it in those words, you lose the crowd, right? So you have to be very gentle. But that's the emiss. And Rabbi Lazar ben Durdaya, the Gemara of Odazar, Yudzayan, visited every prostitute in the world. Finally, he found there's this one really expensive one he still didn't go to who lives on the other side of the ocean. Books, tickets to Uzbekistan, right? You know, just uh, praise all the while there that she doesn't have such a large mustache. Um, anyway, he gets up the, you know, he gets to this, the, this zona, he gives her the money, she passes gas, which the Ben Yehoyada says was a miracle from heaven because they used to take medicines after like, paying a lot of money. You don't need, you understand, a broccoli smell in the room. So, and hey, that's the Ben Yehoyada, I, didn't, I don't make that up, I'm sorry, that's a direct quote. So the Ben Yehoyada, but the Ben Yehoyada says, you know, you don't, uh, they used to take special medicine, so she, they realized it was a simon ben Hashemayim. She said to him, just like flatulence. When it leaves the human body, can never go back in. Rabbi Eliezer, Mr. El, Mr. Eliezer ben Derdaya cannot do tshuva. Once he left, he's gone. And he says, oh boy. So he starts to say mountains and mountains, harimugvos, bikshu'alai rachamim, that may be Avraham and Sarah. Yeah? There are marimukomos that say that harimugvos always represent Avraham and Sarah. Yeah, chazals. Or, or, or avos and himos. Yeah? Bikshu'alai rachamim, sun and the moon. 
ask Rachman. He asked the whole world to ask Rachman for him, and they all say we can't because we don't even know how to daven for ourselves yet. How the heck we can daven for you? And so he says, "Ain hadavar toli The whole thing only depends on me. Ah, it only depends on me. And he daven and cried, and his yeshama left in one big cry, and the voice came out. Yeah, and said from heaven and said, Rabbi Eliezer ben Dedar, you are invited into Olam Abba. Rabbi Akiva said, Yesh kona olam b'sha'achas. Rabbi Akiva cried when he heard this. Rebbe, sorry, Bacha Rebbe. Rabbi Akiva is another story where he said that Bacha Rebbe and said, Yesh kona olam b'sha'achas. The reason I said Rabbi Akiva is because Akiva is Rashi Tevos, Yesh kona olam b'sha'achas. Okay, that's for another time. Do we ever discuss that? He's not been before, because he's got a basketball. He got a basketball, his name was Rebbe. So, whose Rebbe was he, right? I mean, he was a he was a, he was a whoremonger. That's what he was. He was a guy who visited prostitute after prostitute. That's what his life was about. So they say that we learn from here. Yesh konolam b'sha'achas. He did nothing beforehand, but because his tshuva was so sincere and so deep, we learn what a person can accomplish in one hour. And there are those who say, as pshat the Gemara, why did Rebbe cry when he heard about this? Because yeah, because the Gemara says that Rebbe cried because he realized if you can accomplish that much in one hour, yeah, what are the rest of us doing? In other words, there are those who even say the pshat is that. It's a shame he only had one hour. Meaning he cried for him because he had gotten to Gan Eden in one hour, but imagine what he could have done if he would have had a lifetime after that. Yeah, what are, what are you asking, sir? So how does he get a bus call? So the terrorist is that he reached with Big Malcolm Shabali Chuvamdim. What you can accomplish in one hour is so did incredible. He got a bus call before he did no, 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 no. He no, did a tree. He, he cried out no, and he passed they, away. Where they said there's no there's no coming back. No, so that was about Acher. There's a bus call about Acher who said that Acher can't come back. Uh, but this one, the woman said, the woman said, just like the flatulence left you, left me, so too you left the fold, and you can never get back. And then so he cried, and he did tshuva, a deep cry, and uh, and he brought uh, brought himself into Olam Abba, tremendously to the point that he received this huge madriga. Well, what did you? Yeah, that's a fascinating thing, right? In other words, we find we find that everybody is constantly being. Maybe we'll talk about it in a minute. We get to Acher. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that because I am going to address that. That everybody constantly being uh, being told by Hashem, listen, come on back. You know, sometimes the way he says come on back is I don't want you anymore, and that's and that's your test. Uh, we'll discuss it. Okay, but um, let let let's see. In other words, Mamela, what I just want to conclude this first shot, and, and it will tie in, but it, it is its own shot also, um, is that the reason that the Torah tells you to give 30, 40, even though it wants you to give 39, is because the only time you could do tshuva is when he recognized, don't blame your society, don't blame the sun and the moon, right? The things that shined on you and, and, and you know, your third grade teacher, stop it. At this point in life, from now and on, you can either do something real, you can either know the names of the Masechtas and Shas, or you can be a 50-year-old guy that says like, oh, Kilayim, there's such a thing? Oh, there's a Masechta called Tmura? What's Tmura? Isn't that Truma? What is that? And, and it's not acceptable if you go to sleep tonight, you don't know what Tmura is now. Because they're one of the mitzvahs in the Torah, and it's a Masechta, and there's Gemara on that Masechta. So, like, it's not acceptable. At this point, it's mamish your fault. If you don't know what's going on in Torah, if you don't know anything about the mitzvahs, you can open up a Mishnah Brewer and Archa Shulchan and find out quickly the halachas that you didn't know. So, if you don't know anything about Shulach Khan, right? So, okay, listen, you have to do things in order. Like, you're not Machoyev to know everything tomorrow, but you are. It is your fault. If there's ever anything you don't know, you know what, it's your fault. And go look it up and deal with it. And so too in life, you know what, your marriage and where you send your kids to school and everything else, don't just close your eyes and follow the neighbors. Don't just close your eyes, go to a random rabbi and say, where should I send my kid to school? Who says he sent his kids to the right school? Do everything you possibly can because you're the one who suffers. I know a couple that he got married even though he asked his rabbi and he said, you know, I don't really want to marry her. I don't really like her that much. They were engaged. He said, I think I should really break it off. You know, I thought it was she would grow on me, whatever, and I'm just not really interested in marrying her, and I have this issue and this issue. Don't worry, it'll sort itself out. She, at the same time, was saying the same thing to her teacher. Eh, don't worry, it'll sort itself out. They're divorced now. And he named his child, without ever meeting it, 
He just went to Shul and named the little girl. He barely gets to see her. She lives with her parents, with her daughter. He gets very little visitation. It's a very uncomfortable situation. Yeah? And uh, it's sad for this kid. Right? The whole thing is terrible. You think it's his Rebbe who's divorced now because his Rebbe gave him the bad advice? If you feel very strongly about something, fight for it. Keep doing it. I'm not saying never take anyone else's advice. But the Torah, where the Torah tells you to take advice, yeah, where does the Torah teach you to take advice? The first place in the Torah? Nasa Adam. Hashem says, let us make man. What did everyone he asked say? No! What did Hashem do? He did it anyway. So the, when, when the Torah tells you to take advice, it doesn't say listen to it. You understand? In other words, it doesn't say listen to advice. It says take advice. It's very important. No, it's listen to what people say, take it as seriously as you can, but ultimately you have to make the best possible decision that you can. Now, Avada, if you sense in yourself that the reason you're choosing you know, something is because of your Yitzhahar, so don't, don't listen to yourself. Talk that out too. Right? Talk that out too with the wise person who's going to help give you direction in your life. But ultimately, it's your choice and you suffer. You marry the right person, that's a good life. You listen to your mother because she says you have to go to law school. I always wanted a lawyer, you know, announcing the birth, you know, congratulations to Miss to Dr. and Mrs. You know, Stanley Jacobowitz on the birth of their son, Dr. Jacobowitz, right? You know, these things in show like that that's the idea. That there's no question from the birth. You listen to your parents, it's your fault. You're the one who has to spend 10 years and do a residency out of town and not get married until you're 35. Um, you understand? It's you. It's you who suffers from, from, from these things if it's not really what you want. Okay. Odd con. Okay. Uh, but here's a more, important, a more important piece of information for you. And that is that... that uh, tshuva is so remarkable that it reaches the kisei hakavod. We know... That ain't shikha lifnei chisei There is no shikha, there's no forgetfulness before your kisei ha We say that in davening many times, right? Ain't shikha lifnei chisei chavodecha, Roshan Yom Kippur. There's no forgetfulness. Hashem doesn't forget anything before his kisei ha In front of his kisei ha there's no forgetfulness. However, Reb Tzadik and many others write very strongly that a Kaddish Baruch brings, bring, you know, they bring many sources that Hashem promises to forget your Averis. If you do tremendous tshuva, Hashem will forget the Averis like it didn't happen. The spiritual effects of that are just not there anymore. Because l'fnei say kavodecha, there's gedol, right? There's no shikha. At the level of kisei covered, there Hashem can theoretically forget your averes entirely. Yes, your averes can completely turn into something entirely different. That's not forgetting, it? Right, it's true. Apparently, it is. In other words, apparently, it means he forgets that you ever did that avera. You didn't do that. You were just connected to Hashem at that time. It's just mitzvahs. It's just positive things. But I understand what you're saying. In other words, I understand that the word forgetting here must not be you know, shikha in the simplest understanding. Uh, even in the human mind, there's really no such thing as forgetfulness completely. Dr. Oliver Sacks has proven very, very strongly. He's a, he did like the number one neurosurgeon in the world. He wrote many popular books. Um, but he has a book called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. That's the name of the book. And about these like weird, like, you know, brain conditions. And one of the things he like proves very conclusively, and it's really understood in, in science today, that you don't forget anything. All memories can really be recreated. It's just, you don't have access to them. It's kind of like having files on a hard drive and not being able to reach them. Um, so, in other words, even forgetfulness, we don't know exactly what shikha is. It says, be careful of a zake in shashachach tamudo, because luchos v'shiver, luchos menachem ba'aron, an old man who forgets his learning is still the same tamachachem. Just, he can't access it. They said that when a gifter was old, you know, he lost his memory, or gifter. And they say he went to a doctor, and the doctor told him, you should not be worried, all of your learning is in there, all your information is in there, you just can't access it. He was very, very happy to hear this. Like, it, may, it really gave him tremendous nechama. They hadn't lost everything, just right now, he didn't have the ability to remember it. Um, so whatever shikha is, you understand, even in our world, I don't know that we fully understand, but it means that Hashem says, it didn't happen. That, what you're saying, didn't happen. No, you didn't do that, Aver. 
Okay, well, you know, your Averis turn into mitzvahs and they get you closer to Hashem. Okay. So Tshuva gets you to the Kisei HaKavit. What does the Maharal say? Maharal Gur Arye, on this 40 Malkus, you can see it inside, um, gives as this last shot on, on Malkus, why it says 40 if it means 39, is that the, it takes 40 days for a Vlad to be formed. From conception, yeah, Yetzirah's Havlad takes 40 days. So like when Gemara says, 40 days before the Yetzirah's Havlad, a Baskol comes out, mm-hmm. says Baskol in the Torah, that means at conception. Means at the moment that the child is conceived, yeah, that the zera fertilizes the egg, at that moment a Baskol comes in and says, Basploni Laploni, Sadeploni Laploni. Tells you the things important about the person's life, down to very small details, uh, Farshim say. Whether you are or aren't going to buy the following. Metaltolin, I mean, very, very strong. It's the Orus Elid, the Pelio, it's a safe uh, Very strong event. Okay. So, there are 40 days of creating the child. Maral says there are. 40 parts of the nefesh that are each created one in a day, but the 40th is the spiritual part. In the first 39 days, the physical is being created. On the 40th, like the neshama comes in and decides if it's a boy or a girl, and that's like when the child is fully formed. He says, when you do have veris, your soul is not affected. But it is connected to a body that has done a veris. So it does suffer. Your soul can't achieve as much spiritually. Yeah? The soul is connected to a physical body and it needs to be cleansed. It needs 40 malchus to cleanse the 39 physical parts that do that there and the 40th part that's just left alone. But it doesn't really ever get hurt. So if you can cleanse the 39 parts of your guf, then the neshama is already automatically cleaned through that process. And therefore, the Torah says you need 40 things are out of whack here. The 39 parts of your, of your guf and the 40th. You need 40 things to cleanse yourself. But the truth is the 40th one will happen on its own if you can connect, cl- clean the physical. Let's try to explain it a little more, but that, that's the matter. Okay. Gimel, Bon, Behesa, Hadas, Gemara, and Sanhedrin. Three things come when you do not expect them. You know what they are? Mashiach comes, Behesa, Hadas. Metziah, a lost object. In other words, Mashiach comes when you're not expecting Mashiach. That's all the time he's going to come. Metziah means, uh, you know, a. Uh, uh, not, a, not a lost object, but rather a, a found object. In other words, an Aveda is something you're looking for. Aveda means you're looking for it. A Matsya is like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what I found in my sock drawer. Right? A banana. Now, yeah. nobody says you're not going to believe what I found hanging on that banana thing that I keep in my kitchen table, a banana. That's not a Matsya. <laughs> matsya is when you don't expect it. It only comes by Hesachadas. In fact, if you were expecting it, it's not a Matsya. And Akrov. Really finished, finished, right. Okay. Mashiach and Matziah winning yeah. the lotto, right? And Akrav and, and, and Scorpion Bites. <laughs> Marsha says already that Mashiach is really just one of those two. It's either going to be a Matziah for you or an Akrav. Yeah. The world coming to a perfection for you is either a stink, yeah, it's going to be a Scorpion Bite because you're not prepared, or else it's going to be the greatest event of your entire life. And it's one or the other, but there's no in between. Okay, so three things come back to us. Mashiach, Mashiach, and Akrav. So what's Mashiach? I mean, why would Mashiach come when you're not expecting it? After all, we don't shut up about we want Mashiach. Now we have it on our shirts, we wear it on our yarmulke. Wait, that's not it. But, oh, but anyway, we do definitely focus on Mashiach. We sing it at Kumzitz. A lot of people say it after Davin, Yilgimel Ikrim. Right? We don't forget about Mashiach. Achakilo Bechol Yom. I mean, we wait for him all day, every day. It's the most important thing. Mashiach's going to come. So what's the story? I mean, when you don't... You're supposed to think he's not going to come? In fact, the Gemara says, I think it was Reb I should really have looked it up. But it says when he would find Rabbanon, who were trying to figure out like codes or whatever, however they were doing it, when Mashiach was to come from the Pesukim and Daniel, right? He would say, I beg you, please, please do not push him any further away. 
by trying to figure out when Mashiach is going to come, you just alienate him more. Because Mashiach comes behez chadas. So the more that you focus on him, he's not coming. Strange, right? I mean, why would you think that Mashiach comes behez chadas? And, and, and so are we supposed to not think about it? Are we, like, what are we supposed to do? There's even a mimer, I think it's from the Alter Rebbe of Chabad. They made it a song. You know the song from Yassi Green? He changed the words. There's no such chazal, but, but it, it mean, it says, Ein ben David ba'ela behesach hadas. You ever heard this? And then they have a, can a yid messiach das sein von Mashiach? I mean, can a Jew ever stop thinking about Mashiach? So how's he going to come? Right? I mean, can a Jew ever, I think it's from the, from the Balatanya who said that. Um, I don't understand. I mean, how can Mashiach come? I can't stop thinking about him. How can a Jew ever stop thinking about Mashiach? Good cash. That's our cash. We can try to figure out what it means that the Mashiach comes behesh chadas. A little bit more. Let's see. In, in the end of Parashat Vayishlach, there's a list of the kings that ruled. Elam Malachim Asher Malchu Be'eretz Edom that ruled in the land of Edom. Lifnei Malach Melech, Lifnei Yisrael. Before any king ever ruled for the Jewish people. Now, a heavy duty, a huge chunk of the Arizal's Kabbalah. Yeah? Huge. Is based on these kings, these eight kings. And it's like a funny thing. I once saw in a cipher, it says, what's the shot of this? It says, if you are traveling, a king is traveling somewhere, and he wants to hide his valuables, right? in his carriage somewhere, you know. So you think he would hide them in the jewelry box? This is the smartest place to hide them, is in the least likely place where you'd ever expect them. So too, in Torah, many secrets are hidden in the least likely places. The Vilna Gon in Mishlei says, the agodos genuzim kol hasodos. Hidden in the agodos, the wacky gemaras, yeah, that sound really crazy. Snakes with seven heads and guys coming into shoals. In these places, those Gemaras are the deepest secrets of the Torah. Hidden in places where you would not expect them. It's, it's similar in life also. A very practical lesson, really. In other words, you, you spend a day learning Torah, going to a funeral, going to a chasana, yeah? Doing five or six major mitzvahs. And you also wait in line in the bank, right? And the line in the bank is long. And it's Israel, so you waited in the wrong line. And then the people get, you know, and you didn't take a ticket, so, right? And, the, you know, and the guy in front of you smells like an egg salad sandwich. And it's very irritating, right? And the person behind you, right when you get up there, goes... Goes and makes a coffee, goes and has a smoke, comes back in, right? So in other words, that's the paquit behind the counter. That's the experience that you have. It's very irritating, right, Winter? I mean, it's not a fun thing. But I'll tell you what. If you can use that time for a moment to become a slightly more patient person, that will help your marriage, it will help your job, it will help your children be healthier people. Every bit of your life will become so much more incredibly enhanced by you using that one part of the day that seemed like the garbage part. It seemed like the one part, you're standing there, you know, darn it, I have to get out of here to go uh, uh, learn the Torah, right? And the truth is that, no, Hashem wants you there right now. So, in other words, often in life, it takes like the breadth of... Right, that's one shot. But the, the MS is, the MS is that sometimes that's an escape. You know, sometimes that's an escape. Um, I hate to say it, because I'm it's always that. worthwhile. For most of us, it's not. But sometimes it's an escape. Well, Marshall, I, there's a story about a certain Rebbe whose son-in-law was newly married. Um, and his, he used to come home, like it was in America, it was in Nazareth. And his son-in-law used to come home. Um, you know, they lived like in the upstairs, and the wife, in downstairs, whatever, like a duplex. You know, the, the parents lived on, and the, and, the, and the son-in-law. And he learned the whole day, and he would come home for supper for like an hour. And he would eat, and spend time with his wife, and then go back. And one day he came home, his wife wasn't there. And supper wasn't ready. He sat there, he was like a upset, you know, whatever. He sat there, and he, after a few minutes, he opened up a Gemara, started learning. And uh, the Rebbe came in and saw him there and like figured out what was going on and he could see the wife wasn't there and that he was learning and he saw like his face he said to him how are you doing and he could see that he wasn't so happy so he told him he said you know I recommend I know someone who knows the story firsthand. and my Rishkola told me this I forget which rabbit it was so he said he said I recommend that you you don't learn for a few minutes 
close your Gemara. He said, you know, right now you're just being machnas. You're just bringing all of your anger into your learning. He says, right now you're supposed to work on this Nisayan that's right in front of you. If you go to a funeral, right, there's two things you could do. You can either recognize, you know what, somebody here just lost their son. Right? Someone just lost their child. And you can sit there and feel the pain and then daven for the person or say some tehillim. Or you can come with a big tehillim and say lots more. And just not really think about it and just go, right? There's no chance in my mind that the right thing to do is to ignore the lesson that's right in front of you and the moments that's going to take you to internalize that. Right? There's no question in my mind that's the wrong thing to do. You're supposed to really live in that moment and accept the, the reality that you're dealing with. And that's a shot in the puzzle. It's better to go to a base Mishnah. If all you're doing, like people might have you believe about some Gedolim, that they're only thinking and learning the whole time, they have no idea what's going on around them, then why would it be better for them to go to base Evel than a base Mishnah? Like, why would it be better? Let them, I'm saying let them go wherever they want. They have no idea what's going on. They're spaced out of their mind. The answer is that you're supposed to take these messages. At your own chuppah, my friends, don't daven so much that you don't experience your wedding. Because the Iker reason that it's an Ace Ratzon, that your wedding is daven, is because you stand there and you recognize, hey, my father and mother are here. They were good parents, you know. I'm lucky to have them and not those other ones, right? And I'm lucky. I'm lucky. And I'm lucky to have friends. And I'm lucky to have these people. And the Chavos says, that's how you'd be appreciative. You realize you don't deserve anything better than him. And look what he is. So, I mean, he says it. Um, you always look at the person with less than you. Because you know you don't deserve any more than him, really. So, in other words, you stand there at your wedding and you experience this incredible joy. You see a column walking down the aisle to you, right? Look! See it! Don't be the one person in the whole room who's not at the wedding. Busy with a huge safer and list of hundreds of names. It's not going to be even Ace Rutzen for you. I'm saying you don't even realize you're getting married. Yeah? It's an Ace Rutzen. Yeah? Primarily because you can achieve such incredible Dvekas to Hashem. Like that experience, you're supposed to be experiencing it. And then when you turn, you're allowed to smile under your chuppah if you're happy. It's not a crime. You should be embarrassed to be happy. You smile and you look at your kala, you know, and then you offer a sincere prayer to Kodesh Baruch Hu. I mean, there's no question in my mind that that's more valuable than one that said in a way of escaping from this whole emotional situation. Like I stand there crying, like you just, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, you see more people smiling at, at funerals than you do at, uh, you know what I'm saying? The guy c- cracks a good line in the eulogy. And like, you know what I'm saying? You get a laugh at a popo, you get a laugh out of the guy. I'm, I'm quite serious. I mean, like it's, it's, it's very reversed. So I say that, uh, that living in the moment, even in the bank, when you're, in, you know what I'm saying? If you're experiencing, and if you don't care and you're relaxed and you see it's not your avodah right now to be patient because you're anyway patient. So I rather you should be, uh, Accomplishing something spiritual, learning, yeah, calling your grandmother on the phone, some, something good. Um, okay. The eighth king, all the kings are born and die. The eighth king is called a Hadar. Hey, Dalad Resh. Hadar. And he never dies. Hadar never dies. And the Rabbi Shroh Saruk, his Talmud Arizam, explains that he's connected Mashiach. Others connected Mashiach, Shem Arizam. Then Hadar represents Mashiach. What does that mean? Never dies. Okay. Okay, here's the, here's the problem. And that is that in different Hayyamim, where it repeats a lot of names and things in the Torah, it says, Vayamas Hadar. Hadar dies. So make up your mind. I mean, if the whole thing is that he represents Mashiach because he never dies, so what's he doing dying over there, right? So Baruch of Mezhbitz, one of the early Hasidish Rebbes, said like this. When the Gemara says that Mashiach comes by Hesach Hadas, the Pshad is, Mashiach has Hesach Hadas. Mashiach himself doesn't think he's going to be able to come. He looks around at the world and says, they're not ready for this. Yeah? And that's when he's going to be able to come. Mashiach only come back to Ezra had an incredible power to be Mashiach. Yeah? He could have been. If the Jewish people would have been right. He says, Ezra wrote to Yom and saw Hadar dying. In other words, to him, the potential for Mashiach was dead. Yeah? And that's why it was possible then. Still, we don't understand why. 
it's like a very interesting thing. Why should this be? So I, I believe very deeply that the Pshat is very much like the Maral. And the Pshat is like this. And then we'll explain it about Acher also. The Pshat is that Pesach Hadas, not expecting something, doesn't mean you don't believe it. It just means you really don't expect it. You believe Mashiach's going to come. But when you look at the world today, do you really think that we're ready for Mashiach? Do you think we did our job? Do you see the way Jews treat each other, unfortunately, sometimes? And you see the way the world is, yeah? And you understand that there's like hundreds of thousands of people in the world. I'm saying this is a world that we're supposed to be a light unto the nations. And it doesn't mean that our job is to be a light unto the nations. It means the result of us behaving well is that it'll be a light unto the nations. You don't have to move tomorrow to, to China and be Makarov people, right? If you do, do Tyrant Mitzvahs, it will happen. I mean, that's what we really believe. But nevertheless, there's like hundreds of thousands a year of like new people that are like trafficked for you know stolen from their families and sold as slaves either for sexual purposes or other reasons I was like little children just taken from their mother it's like a devastating world that we live in you understand um, there's people dying of hunger there's people running around just like you know with machine guns in Africa shooting up families I mean it's not a pleasant place Mashiach's gonna come now because we, we did our job already oh Baruch Hashem we perfected the world and now it's over it's very very hard to believe but not everything you do, the fundamental relationship we have with Hashem, is not one of if you do mitzvahs, you get reward. And if you don't, you don't. That's not the main thing. That's the reality of it, right? In other words, if you have a parent, Hashem, the parent doesn't love you or have a relationship with you because of your behavior. It may be that if you do really stupid things, they have to ask you to leave the house. But they love you just as so much. The relationship's the same relationship. In fact, the reason it's so painful for a parent whose child is an axe murderer is because it's there because they love them so much. They don't love them less. They love them just as much. They just no longer can relate to them the same way. Hakadosh Baruch Hu loves you the same no matter what. The children of Hashem, your neshama never gets touched. It's always connected to Hashem. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu never, yeah, never stops loving you. That relationship is never not there. Which means if you ever feel like, well, Hashem must love me less because I did X Y Z, you're totally missing the whole relationship with Hashem. And that that's why you can't believe a baskel that comes out and says. Shuvu banim shovim. It says, "Return all my wayward sons, except for Acher." Acher heard a voice from heaven, which said, "Return everyone, everyone do tshuva, but not you, Acher. I don't want you back." Yeah, that was his test. In other words, Acher was a very great man. Um, Chazal say that the reason he went off the derech in the end was rooted in a childhood experience. When at his bris milah, all the great wealthy people of the generation were there, and all the big tamidachamim were there. They were dashing in Torah, and fire came down from Shemayim. And his parents said, "Oh, if that's what Torah is, that I want that." I want those rewards. Yeah? And because that wasn't L'shem Shemayim, ultimately he was able to go off the derech. Right? So first of all, the, the things that you teach your children when they're young, the hashkavas that you teach them, are very powerful. And sometimes the child may just continue living those and not really change them. Uh, and that was the root. That was the root of where Acher went wrong. Okay. How do we understand this? Shad is... It's tough for both of them. And also, this kid doesn't remember anything from his birth. Right. So, nice so I, I, I believe that, 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 that the Pashtas is that this, in, the, in, the, in the psyche of his parents, every time they sent him to Cheder and everything they did was based on the Ashkafa. That was the way they raised him. Um, and so because he was raised from that Shoresh, um, ultimately it had its poor, its poor uh, outcome. In, in other words, uh, despite why, the why fact... Why is Acher liable for that? It's not his fault. So he did do certain things to, to carry it along. For example, the Gemara says, Sifre Minish Moshar Micheko. Right, he listened to Greek. He, he used to he used to listen to, to, to inappropriate love songs. He used but to, he was saying, in other words, responsibility things. You can only take responsibility for things you have 
you have jurisdiction over. Right, and you do. You have jurisdiction over yourself to do proper cheshman and nefesh and figure out that your relationship with Hashem is fundamentally somewhat flawed in a specific way. Acher's minor flaw, and it's not something for us to necessarily judge exactly, means there's something really worthwhile there. But on whatever level, right, Acher didn't understand the following. He didn't understand. Acher was Remeir's ready, yeah? Remeir used to follow him around on Shabbos while he was riding a horse and he would say, oh, Remeir, don't go further. This is the Tchum Shabbos over here. So it says, how did Remeir learn from such a Russia? Yeah? It's Michal Shabbos, everything. It says, Rimon Matzah. He found a Rimon. We'll talk about that. Klipa, Klipaso Zarak, Tocho Achal, Klipaso Zarak. He ate the inside and he threw away the shell. He threw away the bad stuff. Yeah? So, in other words, Remeir, yeah, was able to see the good in there. But Acher understood that the relationship with Hashem is basically you do good stuff. You get rewards. You connect it to Hashem. You do bad stuff. You're distant from Hashem, and that's it. And there could come a point where He doesn't want you back. Now, now imagine a father and child who had such a relationship. Yeah, my father loves me because I get such good grades, and I and I do my chores. That's why he loves me. That's an abusive relationship. If you believe that your father wouldn't love you because you didn't do your chores, that's a big problem. It's very important for a child to know my dad loves me because he's my dad, and that's it. And there's no reason that you can give, right? Beyond he really loves me. It's a father-son relationship, and that's it. He loves me. Why did you give me this ice cream, Dad? Because I love you. Not, well, because you did your choice, you get your ice cream. Don't, don't do it that way. You can also reward things. Yeah? But don't make the whole relationship, well, you can only get that if you do this. Sure, I can buy you a car if you're getting good grades. Well, why should I get something out of it, too? If it's not good for him to have a car, don't give it to him. If it is good for him, give it to him. Yeah? But don't make everything a, everything a reward and punishment, because then there's no relationship. Yeah? It's abusive. It's not healthy. Yeah? My daddy loves me because I get good grades. Can you imagine? I know such people. We all know such people. My parents think they're so brilliant. Yeah. You know? I figured out how to get my kid to do what I want. Very well, but, but I'm saying he's going to be suffering in therapy for years. You know, and, and, that's if, that's, and that's if he has the presence of mind to go to therapy. Otherwise, who knows what's going to happen. As long between spouses, the same. Absolutely. If you were to say to your wife, I got you a nice bracelet, make me a good supper, and I'll give it to you. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? And Kabbalah, listen to this. And, and, and conversely like this, you are married to someone because you're married to them. So even if you, imagine you took a girl off the street right now, and without really seeing her very often, because there could be husbands who are away six months at a time, you sent her supper every single night, yeah? You supported her fully, yeah? And you were available once in those six months to father a child with her, and then you left, right? That's not a marriage at all. Where does that come from, though? With, the, with, a, with a parent child, there's an obvious relationship there. You say, oh, you know, it's right, that, that's kind of easy to understand. With a husband and wife, what, where does that come on from? On one level, it's a real Especially choice. Especially with a young person or people aspiring young person. Yeah, it's a real choice. It's a real choice to make. But we know that 40 days of 40 years of lot, a Bosco comes out. The Zohar is very clear that husband and wife is one neshama. How it worked when people had a bunch of wives is very, very challenging to understand. But there are many marmakomas, as Radak and say from Allah, and many others that ideally a person would never take a second wife. And it's a bris almost not to, and Yitzchak didn't, and Avram only did because his wife begged him and he thought he wouldn't have children. What about Yaakov? And, uh, and, and Yaakov only did because he was absolutely forced to because he had to take over Esau's role in the world. And, and that, that every single time in the Torah, listen to this, every single time in Tanakh that it mentions someone with a second wife, devastating things happen. The children fight with each other. The children rape each other. Amnon and Tamar and the children fighting over who's going to be king. And Chana and Panina. What happened to all of Panina's children? Panina, Tzadikas, there's a kid Panina and my daughter's gone. Right? We still name after her. She doesn't know Russia. 
Penina v'satan l'shem shabayim nisgadnu. Penina and the devil both meant well. That's what it says in the Gemara. Yeah? That's the Gemara. Penina was a great woman. Every time you have two, Hagar and Yishma, because Sar, the Ramban says, because Sarah mistreated Yishma and Hagar, right? That's why to this day we suffer from the Arabs. Ramban, Ramban and Chumash. You understand? It's our mother, but she did sin with this. Now, there are those who argue with that or whatever, but the bottom line is it says that in the Ramban. Um, so in other words, there's not one case that you ever see, not in Gemara's, not, not anywhere. You really don't see it cases of people having two wives and it being a healthy situation. And so where, um, does, where does that come from? Where does that so it's just interesting. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, but sometimes it was, it was, it was deeply necessary. And obviously, these are, you know, it's maybe a topic for another day. I'm not, I don't feel comfortable enough to give you a conclusive answer. I also struggle with this. Um, but Lamaise the Zohar is very clear that a person has a, you know, there's one man and one woman, and they're connected for eternity. And uh, so on some level, it's a very real relationship. Um, how to divorce no, but it's between a choice. spouses? It's a choice. But where yeah. does it come from, though? What what what, what creates that choice? Like, yeah, uh, it's a good choice. Meaning, how should you make the choices? Is probably a very different yeah. thing than why. Uh, so you know, where did divorce this come from? Part of taking responsibility that you said. Yeah. But how does a person know? Okay. And isn't there seven like zivugs or something? No, no, no. That's made up. That's not true. What? what? The prescribed is like. It me. Maybe it's but it's it's definitely not in the Gemara. It's not in the Pashas. Like it's not. It's not the. I'm saying in the, in the major, it's not in Shas, it's not in Medrash, it's not in Zohar, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I'm saying, How does it work do people get divorced? Sometimes they get divorced, the Torah talks about it, you know? Oh. The Torah talks about divorce. Like, and you can also, the Shaduchim, you know, the, the Stipus say, Shaduchim also something that you're Bechiri, you can make a poor choice in theory. Um, you can make a poor choice, I'm saying, you know, life is life. But uh, nevertheless, a marriage is a marriage, it's a very real relationship. If people get married and they hate each other and they separate and they're not, and she sleeps with someone else, she gets put to death because she's married. <laughs> you understand? Um, this is a married woman. So, the relationship is real. The, the parts that make up the relationship are very important for that relationship to be healthy and to flourish, but it doesn't change. This is still your wife, yeah? Even if you don't do any of the responsibilities, and you who are doing all these responsibilities for some other girl over there, right? You're not married at all. That's not a marriage. So the, the sum of the, of the things you're supposed to do is a different thing than the relationship. So too with Hashem, yeah? Here's the vart. Hashem and you are deeply connected. Tshuva is magas ad kisei akavod. Tshuva is really just the awareness that your neshama was never ever hurt and you're really deeply connected to Hashem. And all those averis and mistakes you made are not really you. There's something else. There are mistakes you made that you don't do sins unless nichnas baruch unless you have a mental illness. The Gemara says, a person doesn't do it unless he has insanity come over. You have to be insane to do an aver. It's not better for you in this world. It's not better for you in the next world. You have to be crazy. And your neshama knows that, your soul knows that, your psyche knows that, you know inside that's not the right thing to do. Okay. So, Mamela Tshuva means deeply identifying you're really connected to Hashem. When you have that Ad Kitzei there can be Shikha, so to speak. HaKadosh Baruch can theoretically forget all your Averis because they become irrelevant. If you're not identifying with them, you're identifying with your neshama, so that whole part can get cleansed. It's very simple to get rid of. Tshuva shouldn't be so frightening to you. Going to do Slichas shouldn't be like, oh my word, yeah, Slichas. It shouldn't have to be that way. Because the truth is that slichos really means, you know, I don't know if you ever saw like a cowboy slichos. Did you ever see like, a, you should go on YouTube and type in Shlomo Kaaba. I mean, he would do slichos with a guitar. And like some of it was very sad and, 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 so, and slow, but some of it was like mamish crazy dancing. Because what could possibly be more incredible than the opportunity to go and get rid of all of your mistakes and really start clean? And do, you understand? Like, what could be more amazing than that? So I don't know what works for you. You can go to like the, the Kaabach Shul and uh, that guy Green, Yehuda Green, does like a wacky, because that's at the end of Slichus, and that's his song. So, like, they go buck wildly. You see, like, people just running around, and, like, women and men, and mosh pits, and, like, that's really what Slichus is supposed to be. 
So that's an extreme. Um, maybe not. They do have, it's, I think it's in Lincoln Square sometimes, and, and they usually have mechitza, but like, you know, like, I think you see like the video camera like focusing in on women, just like, <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, I, you know, you have to like not look so carefully while you're watching the YouTube video to some of the parts. <laughs> for slichos. Um, however, however, it's important for you to know that that feeling of joy and, 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 and like, you know what? I'm really connected to God. I'm really a very, very good person. Acher could theoretically go off like this because he doesn't know that to, 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 as deeply as he should. He believes that it's a relationship, which means Hashem, if, if your father says to you, I don't ever want to see you again, if your wife, if your best friend, if someone that you have a real relationship with, I don't ever want to see you again, it means go away for 20 minutes, right? Or even two days, and then call me up crying and bring over Hagenas. That's what it means, right? I don't ever want to see you again is a way of saying, I do want to see you again. If, if the relationship is real, then you can never take such a statement seriously. It's a test. So the test to someone who thinks this is not, right? And Acher says, okay, listen, the relationship is, is like, give or take, I screwed up too much. Now he doesn't want me back. Okay, it's too late. Yeah? And uh, Kaddish Baruch Hu says to the Jews, and Nach, he says, where's the safer Christus that I sent to your mother? Where's the divorce I sent your mother? I never sent you a divorce. You're not finished. I never divorced you. I'm not letting you go. So what, if you cheat on me and this, 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 it doesn't matter. I'm not letting you go. You're still married. That's the, that's the you know, these are Pesukim and Shereshir, like these, very clear. And the Gosh Baruch Hu wants you back no matter what you've done wrong. Because it doesn't really get touched. You just don't get, you don't get touched. Much like Esther. Yeah? Much like Esther, who goes into the king every day. And like, there's a shade there, that reason. In other words, she doesn't get touched. Spiritually, she just doesn't get affected by this whole experience. Sleeping with the Gosh doesn't touch her. So, so too, on a deep level, we do not get affected by the Averis on our Neshama level. And therefore, you can only hit the guy 39 times to clean his body. But the Neshama always stays clean. So, Mashiach only comes when you understand that Hashem doesn't bring you Mashiach and want to be back in touch with you because you did lots of mitzvahs. As long as you could see, I figured out Mashiach should come on this day, he's not going to come to you because you're missing the boat. Mashiach comes because inside you're the right kind of person. And of course, we have a job to connect to that inside and do the right things. Hayom in Bekolo Tishvah, Mashiach's not going to come until there's the proper tshuva and whatever. But as long as you think he's coming because of your behavior, which would be the opposite of Hesach Okay, we did it. Now Mashiach should come. We built the state. We go on to hire by it. Mashiach should come. Yeah? So you're missing the boat completely. Mashiach is not going to come as long as you figure out how it happened. Yeah? Mashiach will only come by Hesach when, when by looking at the world you say, listen, I don't necessarily see that we deserve this. But you know what? I sure believe he's going to come. Yeah? Hesach doesn't mean you don't believe it. It means you don't expect it. You, I, I for sure, you and I for sure believe Mashiach is going to come. Right? But you really think he's going to come in the next five minutes? Do you think so? Unlikely, right? And what happened to the world? However, Hashem promised he's coming, so maybe he will. But based on cause and effect, we don't see it. Mashiach will only come, yeah, when even he looks at the people and says, listen, I know I'm supposed to come, but I can't, just can't see how it's going to happen. It's hard for me to believe that this is the right time. And when we see that, when we can look at our children, we can look at our students, we can look at our friends, yeah, and take the person and say, listen, it's hard for me to believe, yeah, that uh, you're being such a good person right now. You know, you see someone's doing Averis, but inside I know that inside there's a throbbing heart, yeah? A big neshama that wants to be close to Kodesh Baruch Hu. I know that. That's when you can truly have the proper relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. So, so Mamela, Hadar doesn't die. It appears that he dies to the one who's going to be Mashiach, to the person who's going to, you know, at the end of days, right? You know, the last uh, bit of, 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 of Tanakh, you know, like uh, from Ezra, you know, just before the Megillus, and, and, and Megillus Esther, you know, Okay, so... So is Hesach Adas a violation of Achat Absolutely not. Why not? You You're waiting for him. You want him very deeply. You have a very hard time believing he's going to come tomorrow. That's not Cholayah. Why? I want him to come today. Achat will come eventually. 
I want him to come today. I'm waiting for him today, but I just don't expect it. I don't really think, for example, if you believe Chazal that says that Mashiach is going to come in Nisan, and you understand that to me Mashiach will come in Nisan, right? And you believe that. You're going to go to Gehenna? It doesn't say, I mean, it doesn't say anywhere that you have to expect him every day. You'd be an idiot if you did. You'd be an idiat. You would have bought a one-way ticket there to Israel. You would not have had a return ticket. And that buying a return ticket would be uh, an avayr. Building mikvahs in St. Louis would be a terrible mistake. Why are you raising money for a mikvah if Mashiach's coming today? You believe he's coming today? If you had to believe he's coming today, I'm saying it'd be a big problem. Because you don't believe he's coming today. And no one believes for sure he's coming today. People make all their choices. We cook for Shabbos. I'm saying we expect to be here. Like, you know what I'm saying? We don't expect to be rushing to to higher bias because uh, Mashiach's here and, and, and offering korbanas and like we don't expect that so we hope so and it'd be wonderful so that's well, Mashiach why would Yaakov ever try to tell them that Mashiach's going to come that, that's the whole that's, a good that's the whole boat yeah what did he want to reveal Ketzayaman for but it's Nistak and Memento immediately I hear you I don't know what to say about that I mean that's a very good question um, the fact that it's hinted to in Sefer Daniel, we just don't know how to interpret it. Also, it's like very strange. Like what, you know? It's just like uh, it has a lot of thought. like a watch or something. When he said like it hits twelve. I don't understand that. Yeah, and it, I saw like a it's video. I think the Mordechai had that watch. Really? And squares. There's like a video you can find yeah. online, and he's talking to it. and He's saying it moves, and like when it hits this, Mashiach's gonna cut. You know, I don't know what to tell you. I'm saying I don't know about these things, but I'm definitely skeptical. That's for sure. Hesi yam and lechol Like the pasuk says, a fool believes everything. So in other words, I don't want to be a fool. So I'm naturally going to be a little skeptical about it. But like, I guess if I saw it and I really knew it was true and there's nobody fiddling with the thing, like, on some level it might be easier for me to believe that somebody goes in every couple years and quickly turns the watch a little bit, right, than it is that like, there's a magical watch that tells you when she has coming. I'm saying like, that's just a little easier. Like, like the crop circles, you know about this? These phenomenons, yeah. like aliens are making... Uh, yeah. It's easier for me to believe that there's a hundred guys with a hobby they're very wealthy with a hobby of sneaking into people's fields, yeah, drugging the guy so he doesn't wake up, and then putting strange shapes in his field with bulldozers. Yeah? It's easier to believe that than that aliens came down to some hicks farm in Pennsylvania and, 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 and made shapes and then went home. I'm just saying, that's what, which is more likely? I don't know. I'm saying a lot of people say, no, of course there's a flying saucers near them. So for me, I'm just saying, that's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. I don't know. Um, but naturally, I, I don't uh, buy magical watches. Capacious, you know. Listen, I think I think I once saw a video of him saying it. I don't know what to tell you. He was a great man. In, in any event, in any event, just to conclude, why is it that Remeyer found a pomegranate? Because a pomegranate is the thing that has good inside of it. Even Poshe Yisrael, even the most wicked of Jews are compared to a Rimon. Meaning Remeyer was able to learn from Acher because he could see what Acher couldn't see. In other words, he could see that despite the fact that Acher understood that he was completely rotten to the core and there was nothing left, Remeyer was able to understand inside you're really a pomegranate. There's so much good in there. You're so connected to Hashem. You're just not actualizing it. You're disappointing your parents. You can disappoint someone that you have a great relationship with, a deep relationship with, and you can deeply, deeply hurt them and disappoint them and be distant from them and have no olamabach has to show Yeah? But at the end of the day, there's still that neshama, which is very, very, very hard to destroy. How now, did the boss call light him? So it wasn't a lie. I'll tell you what the baskol was. It was a test, but it was free as a lie. Well, let's let, let me explain. The, the, the baskol means means it means an echo. That's literally the word. The daughter of a voice. Can we not hold the baskol um, if it's against the? the yeah, that's one thing. But but, the, but the, there's an important thing to know about what is a baskol. So what is it? So the 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 Baal Shem Tov said that every day there's a Gemara that says that every day a baskol comes out and Hashem says return to me. Shuvu Yeah, every day a baskol comes out. So what? From our Sinai, right? Mehar Chorev. Maybe from, 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 uh, you know. Uh, okay, so. I heard of a concept that, um, that 
there are Jews that do so much bad, they like go out there in the I've heard that also, by the way. Right. It's, right. it's a machlok. Some people are so it's bad it's that they deny them to Yisrael. Yeah, but then... Yeah, but then, yeah, then right, right. Then it says, Ve'elu she'en lachil. That's the next one. People never quote something. No, that if somebody burned out that their soul so much, they're not even called Yisrael anymore, and there's no... Yes, there is such a thing. There is such a thing, and there may be an Arizal that says that even those people, it's only talking about, it's only talking about like part of the Neshama, but there is a part that there is such an Arizal. Um, there is some material about this. Uh, I can show you afterwards. Um, that's one thing. Why would Hashem play tricks? Like it's like the people who say so that Hashem created dinosaur fossils. Okay, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe I'm saying it's 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 almost the most irrelevant possible thing in the whole world. Like I mean, if you're a scientist, it's interesting. But for religious reasons, no, like, why would Hashem play games? I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of people more of the dark because it's of bored. dinosaurs and, and an evolution. <laughs> Right. Right. People that came into age. Right. So I'm saying, why is this should create challenge in this world? No, I don't know. I'm saying, I have no that's idea. That, that, it was a real challenge. What do you mean? Not... People want the derech because of it. Yeah, because it, it, did you go off the derech because of it? So you beat the challenge, right? <laughs> I'm saying you're sitting here with a Yamaha, so you beat it's the challenge. It's not a challenge. If, when people say it, it, it is a challenge, and then they don't explain it properly, that makes it into something that it's not. That something that we don't game. understand. Something that we don't understand. Hakadosh definitely put dinosaurs in the. If he did put them in the world, he knew that it was going to create that same challenge for this guy, right? So let's say the world was created yesterday, and all of us were created yesterday with very sophisticated memories. Now you have a kasha on Hashem. If there were dinosaurs and they died. It, it's the same people that went up the deck, right? You understand what I'm saying to you? So what's the difference? In other words, I'm, I'm telling you that this challenge, which is presented to all of us and every A student out there, right? If the world was created six minutes ago, I believe Hashem would have made the same world. <coughs> With all that history, so that we could have the same challenges. So your childhood would have taught you the same, you know what I'm saying, uh, British history and all the garbage about the colonies and all the whole stuff. That, <laughs> you know. I'm joking. But I'm saying, and we would have learned about it, you know, those of us who are from the contiguous 50 states would have learned about the Civil War with the South being wrong, right? And like that whole childhood that I had, I believe I got to wanted it. So that's an interesting question. It's not an interesting question. But words, you can see, if there were dinosaurs, you can understand why Hashem would make dinosaurs and have them be extinct before we ever came around. You can understand that, that in fact, the challenge of understanding that and dealing with that and the, and the years of the universe is something Hashem wants us to deal with, right? Like he put that challenge it. in front of like him. About what? How old all the world is? How what happened before? Before means about the world. You understand what I'm saying to you? In other words, that challenge that you faced, it's almost completely irrelevant. Like, did Hashem manufacture that in this way or in that way? Is that what I mean? It's only, no. It's only a challenge that looks that looks like a game, according to an answer that the universe really is. Uh, you know, a few thousand years old. Okay, so even old. the person who concludes that the world world is not literally six thousand years old, mm-hmm. yeah, he still had to struggle to come to that point. He still had to read Rambans that said it is, and right, and the overwhelming majority of Torah scholars say, "What the heck are you talking about?" Of course it is, and this whole thing is just so. In other words, he still had to be challenged with that. Hashem wants you to be challenged with that well, issue. A scientist wouldn't be challenged by that. Eh? No, somebody who doesn't believe in Hashem and believe he gave the Torah to Sinai and whatever has no challenge whatsoever. But someone who's aware of the truth of the world. And looks at science with a, with a, with an honest head has a real challenge. He has a real challenge. Hashem created that challenge. So it's not beyond me that he would have put bones. I'm saying I don't care. I'm saying I don't care one way or the other. And and, and it does sound very surprising. Oh, Hashem made the bones. It's not so, like a funny answer. So back but up, back up, who cares? Like, why is Hashem playing games? Oh, so let me explain. We have to first define a baskol. Let's define a baskol. Let's let's get it clear. A baskol means something incredible. It means it's a voice that is not heard with your ears, but rather it is a feeling that you have inside. And every day, says the Baal Shem Tov, you have, every human being has feelings of tshuva. Yeah? Has feelings of tshuva, which make him feel, I wish I was a little bit better. I should make a change. Yeah? Don't worry. 
it will pass and you can get back to your sinful lifestyle. But ideally, you would connect to those feelings, right? And make a real change and do something more positive and say, you know, as, as you feel it, as you feel it, whenever you are, you know what, I'm going to do something more productive tomorrow. Like, here's what, I, here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. I mean, that would be the most ideal way to live your life. Um, the basketball that Acher heard is something that we all hear also, by the way. Forget it. For me, it's just not possible. In other words, I have trouble believing that there's anybody that you've ever met who believes that they can be the God Hador. Yeah, we know there are people that started at 40 years old and were terrible with Shom until then, and we know all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, most of us just don't believe it. That's Yetzirah. That's not, that's not... Oh, it's a voice. It's a voice. Who made the Yetzirah? That's hard? not an echo. That, sure. Like the Basko is a voice you hear made. inside of yourself. But a Basko is external. Yetzirah is internal. Yetzirah is you. The Basko is a voice you hear in your, in your soul, in your psyche. It is a feeling of wanting to do tshuva. That's why he's talking about Shem Tov. What Basko did everyone hear? Uh, the Baskol is external stimulus. There's no Baskol. is only from the in the Gemara. The Baskol is external stimulus, and it's horizontal. This this Tana is. It's not sure. It's not It doesn't have to be with sound waves. It doesn't have to be with sound waves. A lot of Americanists. It's horizontal. Yes. Yeah. That's what Baskol is. The Baskol. doesn't have to be. But to everyone. In my Sefer on I bring the Marmakomas. I bring the sources of what a Baskol is. And there's it's not so clear that it's. It's horizontal. I'll show you it. I'll show you it afterwards. Yeah. So in other words, what I'm saying is that the Balshem, the, the Balshem Tov explains the Baskol in this context to be inside your psyche. There are other Marmakomas. Um, it's not your Yetzirah, it's Hashem. It's Hashem telling you, I don't want you back. And that is your Nisoyen. In other words, that is the Yetzirah is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's agent to send you messages. That's all. So this voice that you hear inside of you, yeah, is part of that same exact thing that Acher was hearing. Yeah? HaKash Rebbe is telling you, I don't want you back because he wants you back. That is the challenge. Your challenge is to overcome that. To overcome hearing, I don't want you back. Rebbe Tzadik writes about that at great length, that that was Acher's challenge. Yeah, he was supposed to do it anyway. Yeah, but how is Acher supposed to know that? Because, because, be, be, because you and I know that. Because you and I will hear that same voice at some point in our well, life. We know it off the scene. It says, you know what, Mandelbaum? Give it up. You're never going to know all that Torah. You're never going to be such a big Tamachacham. Give it up. You're going to hear that voice. Maybe it's your mother's voice saying it, right? <laughs> you never know. I'm saying for some people it's a real person that I say it, but it, you're going to hear inside yourself a claim, okay, listen, you've gone far enough away, that's it. Yeah? And the response is not, okay, fine. The response has to be, that's ridiculous, it can't be, this is my father talking. This is my father who would always, always want me back and always have a place for me, and you can't move too far away. So that is how I understand it. Um, I think, it's, uh, I think it's very rational and, and down-to-earth. I think it's very practical. I think this is a message that every single person, you know, not only needs to hear, but, like, grapples with, you understand, you know, uh, uh, these specific issues. And, um, and it's, well, not again. The challenges that Akash Baruch gives you are him talking. They are him speaking. And they are not, they are not, uh, they're no tricks, you understand? It's not a trick. It's the only the, the, the real way for you to achieve your, your potential. Unfortunately, there'll be some people who fail, unfortunately. But, uh, but hopefully we will not be among them because we remember this lesson that even if we made mistakes, even if we messed up all 39 parts of our physicality, there's a 40th part that was never touched and never gets touched. And if it's hampered in its spiritual abilities because of being connected to 39, okay, so we'll have to do tshiva on the other 39. But ultimately we were never touched and we were never affected. And, uh, and that's